0: You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porter Subs. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer John McClain from Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And the Hall of Famer joins us now on the phone line as we kick off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And, John, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you as always. And last week we talked at this time. It was Halloween Day. And no big changes had happened with the silver and black. But come Halloween night. Josh Daniels and Dave Ziegler get removed of their duties. Uh, in comes interim head coach Antonio Pierce. Champ Kelly is the interim GM. Bo Hardegree is announced as the interim offensive coordinator. What did you think about the last week that's going on with the Silver and Black?
1: At least from afar, Q, it looked like I've never seen in my 47 years covering the NFL players happier after a victory and happier after a head coach was fired. Ziegler, of course, caught in the crossfire, and, um, you know, they beat a bad team, but so what? They needed a victory. Josh Jacobs rushed for almost 100 yards and two touchdowns. O'Connell didn't turn it over. And uh, even though Devontae Adams didn't catch a lot of balls uh, for a lot of yards, he still was happy. So Renfro got to play and contribute. So why did break out those victory cigars after – a regular season win, you'd think they'd clinch AFC West, just shows you the low regard that they had for Josh McDaniels. Now, McDaniels has made a fortune from the Broncos and even more of Mark Davis's money, which just shows you he's got a great agent, but I can't imagine he's ever going to get another NFL head coaching job.
0: No, I wouldn't think so. I think that if you didn't learn the first time, you definitely learn the second time around. And how much do you think the the fact that the Raiders' last game before McDaniels was fired was against the Lions and Dan Campbell uh, being a leader of that team and getting those guys to run through a wall for him? And really that's what it seems like he wants as he had uh, Antonio Pierce become the interim head coach.
1: I don't know that that would have anything to do with it because just about every week when – you see teams that the coaches are doing a really good job. I think it was more about what was going on there behind the scenes. You know, if what I've read and heard is right, uh, some of the leaders met with Mark Davis. I remember one time when, uh, oh, my goodness, my mind's gone blank. (laughs) The uh, guy was the head coach of the Chiefs, and the team leaders went over to Lamar Hunt's house after a game and, begged him to fire him, so he did. Uh, and then he went to be a head coach at the University of Texas. John, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name, but sometimes you have leadership councils on teams. Owners will listen to a leadership council, and it's obvious the things that Josh McDaniels was doing there was not conducive to winning. And I, I thought it was such a fascinating story. I tried to read everything I could from the writers who cover the team to get all the behind the scenes stuff, and I'm guessing Mark Davis might not have known a lot about a lot of that uh if he hadn't talked to the players. you know the product on the field was suffering and and uh but it was it just seemed like such a case of good riddance Now there's a lot of people think, well, who wants to come work for Mark Davis with all the changes he's made there. And it's like this time last year, nobody's going to want to work for the Texans if Lovey Smith gets fired. That'd be two coaches in a row, one and done. Well, you know what? They had some of the best assistants in the league interview here. They hired D'Amico Ryans. He turned down interview with Carolina, Indianapolis, Arizona, interviewed with Denver, was offered that job but took this job, and it's working out pretty well. So just because one coach, and one regime fails, or two coaches in two regimes, coaches want those head coaching jobs. They make a lot of money. There's only 32 of them. You get a chance, you better make that move. So they're going to line up to try to be the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: What did you think of what Antonio Pierce did his first time out as far as, like I said, just kind of leading this team as the interim head coach?
1: As a former player, you know, he's got his finger on the pulse of the team. He's there behind the scenes he knows what's going on he saw things that the players didn't like and liked and respected and didn't respect he's an emotional guy it looked like he was hard on them on the field but kind of losing the reins off the field meaning in the locker room things he let him do and uh, and usually that's what you do a guy gets fired for a reason right. and when he's doing things that are not helping the team win, and they're backsliding, you know, you got to make sure you do something different. And it looks like what Antonio Pierce has done.
0: John McClane is our guest from Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to talk to some of your colleagues around the NFL, but the interim GM is Champ Kelly, and I know for a fact that he's got a lot of respect around the league. Has anybody talked about him and his opportunity to potentially stay there long-term with the Raiders?
1: People I've talked to, it's all about the players and Pierce yeah. and Mark Davis, which gotcha. direction they're going to go. I'm curious, you know, Rich Passaccia got him in the playoffs and didn't have a chance to get the yeah. job. And so what happens if Antonio Pierce, in a tough AFC, is going to be really hard with a rookie quarterback. But what if they are a lot better and they're competitive and they don't make it and the players want Pierce Usually, if an interim coach does well, players want it. They want him because he's done better, and because a lot of them got a better chance to keep their job. Yeah. And so, would Mark Davis go for the home run? You know, would he go for Jim Harbaugh? And uh, but I think an owner needs to quit going, trying to hit a grand slam, mm-hmm. and just settle for a single when you got a chance to get a double, triple and eventually get to home plate, you don't always need to make a home, hit a home run. And if those stories are true about how much money it's costing Mark Davis, now, in the NFL today, the franchises are working a lot, but for him to pay off almost $100 million if, with everything that he's going to have to pay if the reports are true, nobody likes to do that. He won't play it up, pay it all at once, of course, but that's difficult. But he knew when he pulled the trigger on the firings, he was going to have to pay them money, and I don't know. any. Aren't, is Gruden getting all his money? Are they going to go to court? Is he trying to get out of paying Gruden everything? Where does Mike Mayock fit? Is right. he still being paid? Mark Davis paying a lot of money for people who are no longer there.
0: Yeah, no, that's there's no doubt about that. And I believe Gruden and, and him came up with some kind of settlement. Of course, I don't know what that is. But, yeah, the facts are he's paying a lot of money for those that are no longer with the organization. And, John, just kind of looking around the league, let's go to Houston and what C.J. Stroud has been able to do. I mean, the guy, we talk about him multiple weeks, but the performance he put in last week bringing the Texans from behind after it looked like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to steal a victory. How impressed have you been with this young man?
1: It was the best performance by a quarterback in the NFL this season, bar none. And what made it unbelievable is he's a rookie, had no running game whatsoever. Their running game is awful. They're not going to be able to win consistently until they build a running game. 470 yards, completed 71.4%, 11.2 average per attempt, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 147.8 rating. And he was under pressure a lot, so a lot of his passes were prone when he had to bail out right or left. He even took a pitch out from a running back for a 10-yard gain. So everybody's talking up C.J. Stroud. He deserves it. What I asked D'Amico Ryan yesterday, I said, since you've watched the tape, what is the one thing that stands out to you the most? He said, the accuracy. Mm-hmm. And if you watch all the highlights, maybe show them all, he made some incredible throws, Q. It's like he was dropping it into a bucket. And we've seen that a lot, but not in one game like that. And to get the ball back on 25, 46 seconds left, and then they score with six seconds left. He completed five passes, The winning touchdown pass to rookie Tank Dell, his second, and people just went crazy because the Texans, they're not supposed to win games like that. Right. They're supposed to lose them. They're supposed to suffer the – Agony instead of the ecstasy, and they're 4-4 now, go to Cincinnati. They're moving up in a weight class. They'll probably lose. Then they play Arizona here. Good chance they'll win that. Even Kyler Murray back, they could be 5-5. Five and five. And before the season, you ask anybody in Houston, the team that went 3-13 and won last season, everybody thought was going to be the second-worst team to league this season, if they had taken 5-5 five and five record, everybody would have said, Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Right. I know that's right. Again, John McLean is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. C.J. Stroud, the word on him coming out of college was, yeah, he's accurate, but he doesn't move around. He doesn't run very much. He stays in the pocket. He's not super athletic. But, John, I would say that he moves around. He just doesn't do it all the time like a Lamar Jackson, like an extreme guy. What have you seen as far as just his athleticism and his uh, willingness to run around?
1: I think people didn't do their homework. I went back the The biggest knock on him coming out was he was a product of a system with great receivers, yeah, and those receivers were open all the time. He was going to face great better coverage, better defensive backs, more pressure. He wasn't going to have that kind of success and He talked about his mobility. well, if you went back and studied it, he rushed for seventy five yards against northwestern, he had a game where he had forty. He showed in the Georgia game that they barely lost that he can run. And he told us at the combine, and he has repeated it. I had receivers open. He said, how selfish would it have been of me to run the ball instead of get the ball to my receivers? I've never heard the end of it. And before the season here at Q, we all said their biggest need is a wide receiver. They do not have a go-to guy. They just had three guys. Catch more from more than a hundred yards, and their leading receiver Nico Collins, he did not, but he had a touchdown. And overall, even with a fullback catching a one-yard pass and having some short gains, those receivers averaged fifteen point five yards, and that was on thirty receptions. So he throws the ball down the field. He can throw it open. He's accurate. He's poised. He takes the hit, takes a lick, and keeps on kicking But anybody that questioned his mobility, didn't do the homework.
0: John McClain is with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. When you look at the AFC North, every team at the season ended right now would be in the playoffs. What have you thought about those four teams?
1: Cleveland and Pittsburgh have great defenses. Baltimore has a great defense. Baltimore right now, since I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season on all my outlets, I'm going to stick with them. Cincinnati. I'll know more about the Bengals after I watch them Sunday against the Texans. But they've won four in a row. They're not impressive statistically, but Joe Burrow's is back. He's got it going on. When they get Jamar Chase back, they'll be even better. I think that um, I think Baltimore and Cincinnati will make the playoffs. Maybe one of the others gets in there, but they're gonna beat up on each other. Right. If you're a team in a bad division, like say Jacksonville, you may end up with a better record than all of them except maybe uh Baltimore. But that is a physical, nasty uh division built the teams well Baltimore lost its best rusher before the season. Done for the season. They just ran for two hundred and ninety eight yards. Right. They are built for good weather. Bad weather, cold weather, wind, rain, and they still got one of the most mobile quarterbacks ever. As long as Lamar Jackson stays healthy, which he hasn't done the last two seasons, they got a chance to win a Super Bowl. But Cleveland Pittsburgh's offense is not good enough. Uh, Cleveland's offense is not good enough, even when Deshaun Watson's healthy. So I think one of three will make it. One will be left out, and I'm going to guess the one left out is going to be the Steelers because Kenny Pickett is the worst quarterback in the division.
0: Yeah, that offense is not very good when it comes to Pittsburgh and what Kenny Pickett is trying to do. And, John, before we let you go, my man Jared wanted to ask you one quick question. Go ahead, Jared.
1: Well, speaking of the Steelers,
2: they let Josh Dobbs go in favor of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Is there any, like, historical comps to doing <laughs> something like that?
1: Oh, there's a lot of teams like let quarterbacks go and they end up better somewhere else. What's amazing about Josh with Dobbs, was a 4.0 aerospace engineer, engineering major at Tennessee, as he's been with Pittsburgh, Detroit, last season, Cleveland, Tennessee, Cleveland this year, Arizona, now Minnesota. It's an amazing success story. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks who can handle the mental load that has been put on him because no systems are the same. The passes and the routes are, but the terminology is different. He's got to learn the terminology before he learns the names of his teammates. So yeah. what he has done has been incredibly, uh, it's been incredible. They ought to create an ESPY award for him. I don't know what it is, but, uh, he's, what he's done was, uh, historical, as was Daria Goombawali, a four-string running back, kicking a field goal for the Texans in a, in a three, in a, in, uh, in a three-point victory. And that's the first time that's been done. In the NFL, since Wes Welker did it for Miami against New England in Damn. 2004.
0: <laughs> there you go. I like that. Dropping nuggets right there. Dropping nuggets on the way out. That's our guy, John McClain. John, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, my man?
1: Can't go wrong with CJ Stroud on SportsRadio610.com, which is free, free, free. I've got CJ, CJ, and more CJ.
0: I know that's right. Well, thanks so much for your time, John. It's always great catching up with you.
1: Thank you. thank you very much as always.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the general right there, the Hall of Famer, John McClain on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL and with us here Tuesdays at 3 o'clock. Always great to catch up. And I'm glad you brought up Josh Dobbs, Jared, because, man, got to give that dude a lot of credit. Like, Arizona didn't want him. Right. And they might have wanted him for a little bit, whatever, but they didn't really they weren't really attached to him. And their their season's not going anywhere. They knew Kyler was coming back. Minnesota trades for him because of what happened with Kirk Cousins. He is not going to play. I mean, he's suited up. He's ready to go in case of emergency, but you don't really think he's going to have to play. And then all of a sudden he's forced into action. All he does is find a way to go out and win the game. Got to give that dude a lot of props. I love the fact that Kevin Stefanski, the head coach there, gave him a game ball, really gave him props. and was, you know, embracing him in the locker room. And just like John said, man, I mean, that dude didn't even know people's names, right? He didn't know he, he didn't know their names, but he's throwing them the ball. He's, you know, leading them to a victory. I mean, I, that's a hell of a story for a guy who I don't think has ever been thought very highly of in the NFL. He's kind of one of those guys you look at and you're like, yeah, there's Josh Jobs. He's a he's, uh, – I mean, he's a quarterback, but no one is ever like, man, got to have that Josh Dobbs on the team. But all he's done is find a way to, to have longevity in the league and, and had success in the league. So you got to give that dude a lot of props.
3: And
2: so the reason I think of about him in the terms of the Steelers is just so much like it reminds me of the your friend whose girlfriend leaves him. And it's like, well, he's just too nice of a guy. And it's like. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You guys should have
2: stuck it out, but instead you were like, ooh, Trubisky.
0: Right. No, no, you know how that goes. They always want the risky guy. They always want the guy that's a little edgy, you know, the guy that's got a little street cred instead of the dude that actually, I don't know, can have their back. But that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not saying that, you know, there could be anything there or anything. But we're talking about Josh Dobbs and <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings and the success that uh, you know, that he had on Sunday, I got to give him a lot of props. Speaking of props, let's go. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines, man. At seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Many thanks to John McClain. We got Lincoln Kennedy coming up at three thirty. But let's talk to our guy, man. Juan the Smasher, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I
2: know that's right. <laughs> hey, Q. I just want to say uh, I'm happy for the Raiders. I'm happy for uh, Coach AP. You know, it was has been a lot of changes with the Raiders and the organization. But I'm not tripping, you know. I was rooting for uh, McDaniels. I, I had his back. But well, that's a different story now. And I'm definitely going to have uh, Coach AP's back. because these players were out there celebrating, and you know, the victory and cigarettes and all that. And, and and ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just a Raider thing. And I'm just going uh, to go out riding with Coach AP. He's a fool from Compton. And uh, Raider Nation, keep your head up. Better days are coming. And, um, and I'm just going to go out like this. You some fools believe in white Jesus. I believe we're done ready.
0: Let's go, baby. Let's get it. Eight more games. We got this. There he goes, Juan the Smasher. Always like when you drop that line, man. I always think that's the best one. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you. It's always great to catch up with you and hang out with you. Appreciate you coming out to Buffalo Wild Wings last week. Of course, I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings again this week. We do it each and every Friday. As a matter of fact, for anyone wondering, uh, Horizon Ridge Parkway, 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway is where I'll be. Uh, it's a different one every single week, a different location. But Horizon Ridge Parkway, say that thing 15 times faster, 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway is the location. Buffalo Wild Wings, 2 to 5. That'll be on Friday. Many thanks to you, wanna do appreciate you. Uh, feedback, com text line 69187, keyword r as we keep our head on a swivel around here, uh, asking a question about Aiden O'Connell and what you want to see from him moving forward to kind of. Understand who he's going to be in the NFL and just realize he's got a tough task coming to town in the New York Jets. Vegas Pete said, the autumn wind is blowing. Aiden O'Connell into Compton and back to Allegiant. This Sunday we'll be pillaging just for fun. He also says, which B-dubs do they have you at this week? They have you out in the boondocks further and further each week. It does seem like I've been on a mission lately. It does seem like I've been driving just a little bit farther each and every week. For, uh, for the Buffalo Wild Wings, again, uh, 65 East Horizon Ridge Parkway is where I'll be. And, uh, yeah, I love the little reference to Compton and back and pillaging just for fun. That's always good. Brad and Concord said, I just think for success, uh, I just think for success should just keep up what he's doing. Okay, he's talking about Aino O'Connell. Calm, cool, confident. Looks to take control and is learning the audibles well. However, I'd like to see his escapability improve along with his normal growth each game. Not as a run first, but when the pocket muddies, he seems to stay in it longer than he probably should. That's from Brad and Conker, and that kind of goes back to the conversation we were having about uh, whether, you know, a guy is mobile or not. That's all I'm talking about. When I talk about a mobile guy, I don't want it to get twisted, and I don't want to get people to get confused where it's like I'm talking about a dude who's run first, run first, run first, you know, like a guy like a Justin Fields or a guy like a Lamar Jackson or a guy like a Kyler Murray. Like, I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about dudes that are just willing to keep plays alive with their legs. When things break down, they can find a way to get it done. Hell, Baker Mayfield does that, right? I mean, on that drive that he had against Houston where it looked like that Tampa Bay was going to win that game, uh, it was, what, fourth down and fourth and six, fourth and seven, and he had a little bit of green grass in front of him. What did he do? He went and picked up the first down. Like, that's what he's got to be able to do. He's got to be able to pick that up. Uh, what I really could appreciate about Patrick Mahomes, I mean, a lot of things I could appreciate about Patrick Mahomes, but when, when the S hits the fan, right, he, he finds a way. Oh, it's third and long? No problem. I'll just run down the middle of the field, and I'll just keep on running and pick up the first down. He ain't the fastest cat, right? Let's, get it, let's not get it twisted. He ain't the fastest dude, and he's pretty a, a pretty big target out there when he's running down the middle of the field, but he just finds a way to get it done because he's got the will to do it. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of mobility I'm talking about. Not necessarily, like I said, not necessarily a guy that just uh, is running all the time or, okay, my first read's not there. Let me take off, right? It's, it's, it's different. It's not, it's, it's, it's not that dude. It's the dude that's got it in his head and realizes, okay, now it's breaking down. Got to go make things happen. Hell, I mean, the last time the Raiders had an MVP quarterback, go all the way back to Rich Gannon, he did it all the time. He wasn't fleet of foot. He wasn't running for 100-yard games. But I'll tell you what, if the grass was there, he'd go get it. Simple as that. Uh, Let's go out to Dino. I wanted to hear from Nate Hospital. Let's go out to Dino real quick. Dino, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Yo, what's
3: up, Q? Appreciate the vine, brother. As always, great show. Um, Just quickly, I'm still on this high with uh, Antonio Pierce, man. I mean, I I can't believe how far this team has come in a matter of short days. I know we got to turn the page. It was a a big win on Sunday, but I'm just kind of in awe of what's going on, the energy and the synergy there. I mean, Antonio Pierce kind of reminds me of like a really, really good version of Suge Knight. You know what I mean? He's just coming in. It's us against them. You know what I mean? He's grabbing all his talent. And um, I, I, I I just hope that they can energy, man. It's it's pretty remarkable. I, I mean, I, I a couple of weeks ago, man, I called you in. I was really down and out, but I'm, I'm like the complete opposite, but then that's always being a Raider fan, right? But the other thing I want to talk about is uh,
0: Thanks for the call. Appreciate you. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's good to have a a nice little high coming off of what you saw on Sunday. I mean, man, it it had been a while. Uh, Raider Nation needed that high. I was talking about that earlier today uh, while I was hanging at the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I was like, man, the Raider Nation needed that. Just needed that lift, that dark cloud off the organization, off the team. Again, walking through the parking lot on my way to do the pregame, pregame show on Sunday, I could feel folks excited in the parking lot while they're tailgating. I could see it. Uh, Being around town on Saturday, I could see it, right? I could feel it. The energy was there. So it's just something that Raider Nation needed in a major way. Hell, I could tell by the calls that we're getting. Hell, I needed it. Let's keep it a buck. I needed it. I needed to lift off my shoulders because Raider Nation was really in a bad place and the energy was bad. Let's just call it what it was. The energy was bad. It wasn't good on on the radio station. It wasn't good through the calls. It wasn't good through the text line. It sure as hell wasn't good through Twitter, which is the cesspool of all cesspools. It was really bad. So, I mean, it's, it's great having a break as far as I'm concerned. I don't wake up in the morning and don't feel bad for me. I don't wake up in the morning and see someone cussing me out of my DM because the Raiders lost a game. That's happened, <laughs> right? As unbelievable as you would th- think that is, that's happened. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot better feeling for, I think, everyone involved, and I think everybody needed it. Like Antonio Pierce said, um, you guys should enjoy coming to work as well. You guys are covering the best sport in the league, in any league, right, any professional league. You guys should enjoy this as well. Come here with a smile on your face. And so Adam Hill said it earlier in the first hour that that's something that uh, is infectious, and I believe everyone needs to do that as well. Jared, do we need to take a break, or do we go to stove real quick?
2: Let's uh, let's go to Stove real quick. How about that?
0: Stove, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. I'll I'll make
3: it quick. I think I missed yesterday's show where you were giving out game balls. Yep. But the game game ball I want to give out to is to Mark Davis. And uh, you know there was a stretch in there where he was starting to feel some heat from the Raider Nation, uh, even face to face in some cases. And you know what? He evaluated the situation. He pulled out his checkbook, and he moved on. And not every owner would do that. And, obviously, we've, we've suffered for a long time. So, you know, I don't know that Mark Davis's bust is going up in Canton anytime soon, but I would say he was in a really tough situation, and he made the decision that this is not working. Yeah. And he moved on. And, and you know, sitting there watching the Lions game – in addition to every part of it that was miserable, we were watching a coach on the other side of the field who has a heartbeat. And I was on board with Josh McDaniels. I was on board with John Gruden 2.0. I was on board with Versace. But none of those guys showed that they were passionate about being on the sideline. I am all in on Antonio Pierce because I want it to work and I hope it works. And I I give Mark Davis a ton of credit for for being able to say, you know what, I made a mistake, it's time to move on, and let's try something different. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that.
0: I agree. Good stuff, man, good stuff. It's great to hear from you, Stove. And, yeah, I do think that that is – Something that all owners wouldn't do. Hell, I think the Chargers owners should have fired Brandon Staley again. Not that I root for people to get fired. I think after he blew a 27-point lead in the playoffs, that's a fireable offense. I thought they should have left him in uh, in Jacksonville, but they brought him back, and that's because well, they didn't want to eat that money, in my opinion. Uh, they should have hired Sean Payton again, in my opinion. But here they are. They're there with the uh, they're still with Brandon Staley, and they've got Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. And if things don't work out in LA with uh, with Staley, I'm sure Kellen Moore will probably be promoted to. That job, but that's for them to worry about, not me. 327 is the time. Linky Kennedy joins the show next. It's Radish Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVsportsnetwork.com is brought to you by PortaSubs. Make sure you check out Port-A-Subs' 6-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of 3 made-to-order classic subs, made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day 6-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Port-A-Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at Portasubs. Do you ever watch Gilligan's Island? I have. Las Vegas Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. So Lincoln, thanks so much for joining us as always. I got to ask, how many times have you been asked about Gilligan's Island?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the reference of a, during a football game, it hasn't been any time that, that, that I can remember have been a reference to Gilligan's Island, but... It happened over the weekend, and forever. It, it forever took it took me a while to to catch up with what my partner was talking about. Like, what the hell are you talking about, Gilligan and Gilligan's Island? But okay, now that makes sense now. But yeah, it, it doesn't happen that often.
0: No, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when Jared said something to me about Gilligan's Island. I was kind of on Gilligan's Island. I felt like I was all out there in the <laughs> ocean by myself. <laughs> Had no idea what was going on, yeah. but. There's no that. Again, Lincoln Kennedy joins us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And Lincoln, it's always fun to recap a game coming off a victory, and the Raiders got one on Sunday, 30-6 to over the Giants. What was the biggest kind of takeaway that you saw as far as just the way that the Raiders were playing and the energy that they had on the field on Sunday?
2: Well, I think that's the key. The energy is what you saw. We hadn't seen that in quite some time. And, and, and for, for you know, to, to put it bluntly, as far as what I saw is what what I expected. You know, the Giants aren't a very good team. Right? Um, they're still, you know, they've got their fair share of injuries, like every other team. But they're not a very good team to begin with. So, you know, this is taking care of business. This is what you know. This was the type of game I expected to see when we went to Chicago. Now they went to Chicago and they let a big you know, laid a big wet egg and, and didn't get it done. And also the other time that you know was inept and wasn't a complete team was against Pittsburgh and we weren't able to finish that. So we had two losses. We were able to get a win. Resurrect and get a win. After beating a team that we should we should be. and uh, and more importantly, the Raiders, you know, found a newfound energy, a newfound confidence, pushing forward into the second half of the season.
0: What stood out to you the most about the interim head coach Antonio Pierce? Being a former player, did you relate to what he was selling to the team?
2: Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I could relate. Not actually being privy to the actual but yeah right. I can relate to it because every coach that ever every coach that ever takes over a team wants his entire team to buy in his way. Buy in what they what they say or buy into what they want to do. That's how you get on board. That's how you you, you know you, you catch the ride and don't don't jump on that train. That, that's how you do all that. You gotta get in get involved. And for a coach to come out and say, look, you guys gotta believe in yourself and put everything behind us it's us versus the world is what's which, is which a stance that most new coaches normally take. But what we saw this past Sunday, what we, saw, we saw an energy out of the team from start to finish. We hadn't seen that. We've seen it at flashes here and there, but not to finish. And I told Jason, even on air, my biggest concern was how they finish in the second half because you know the Giants are going to make adjustments. Right. Do, do the Raiders make adjustments? Did the Raiders make adjustments for what the Giants tried, uh, tried to do? It wasn't as fulfilling as it was the first half, but they were able to find a way to finish and get, get the win, which
0: is all that matters. Is the energy that that Coach Pierce has brought to this team, is that sustainable as far as you're concerned?
2: No, who knows? Yeah. Don't know.
0: I mean, it's right. just being honest. I mean, yes,
2: you would like to think it is, but it's, it's being honest. Yeah. You, know, you never know the reason why, unless you were actually in the locker room around the team, you don't know what happened with Josh Gaines. You don't know what happened with a number of coaches under him. You don't know. You know, we're only hearing stuff secondhand, so we don't know if it's true or not. Right. But to answer your question, can you maintain the energy? Well, it's up to the individual. And you know, on any given day, what happens if that one guy? You know, we're playing together, Q. What happens if one day, you know, what I come to you, yeah, I don't feel like playing today. Right. I'm just going to go through the motions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know of any player that's, that's actually done it. Actually, I take that back. I did have a guard that did it one time during my career, but that was he was on for his own personal reasons. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen because you never know how a guy's going to feel when he comes to the comes to the stadium on Sunday.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I just know that, Lincoln, usually when there's a change in, in the coach and there's an interim coach or there's some kind of adversity that hits, it feels like the team always rallies, at least for that first week, and then it's always, okay, but can they keep that up?
2: Well, that's up to the coach, right? Yeah. Because you never know what type of influence a coach is going to have over a player or players, collectively, the team. But So it's up to the coach to whether or not they can find a way to bring it. The big thing is, and I think I've told you this, players don't really mind who's coaching. Mm-hmm. Some players have a preference. Oh, I like to see this guy because I have familiarity or maybe I, I think he could be a winner. But for the most part, all the players want to do is win. Yeah. And, and they don't care who chalks up that win or how you get that win. All, I, all they want to do is win. They want to win. They want to win a championship. They want to know what it feels like to be a champion. And if you didn't have that luxury in college, the, the pros is you're one last chance to do it. And you're trying to go all, all, all out to be that champion, but it's any given any given day, any given weekend. It's up to the individual to say whether or not things are going to seep in, they're going to get it, or they want to go out there and play hard.
0: Linky Kennedy is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Aiden O'Connell gets his second career start. Uh, how much growth did you see from the first start against the Chargers to what you saw against the Giants on Sunday?
2: Well, the growth that, that I did see was the fact that he was getting rid of the football, and he took out he took on a new step, pre-snap reads, um, understanding where the safeties are, understanding where the linebackers are, or the corners, how they're playing, and he used it to his advantage. Look, he didn't have to throw the ball that much because he, had, he was backed up by a running game. A running game is always a quarterback's best friend when it comes to football. So, you know, he didn't have to work as hard, say he did maybe the Chargers week, but I did notice that his internal clock was a lot faster this time around than it was his first time.
0: Yeah, I mean, no sacks. Uh, you know, the, the, the Giants, who under Wink Martindale are going to send pressure, weren't able to get home to him, and he didn't turn the ball over. So that was a positive step. And Lincoln, I asked you on Thursday, what did you expect to see from Bo Hardegree, the interim offensive coordinator, as far as play calling, how quickly he can get it in? Um, it looked like, from a, a sky's view, that it was pretty good. But uh, did you like what you saw from Hardegree? What, what, was, what was your thoughts on what you saw from the play caller?
2: I saw a little creativity going to the offensive game plan, which is always
4: good.
0: The the
2: thing is, going forward w- with Coach Hardigree, you're going to have to figure out how to design specific plays for number seventeen, mm-hmm. number eight, number thirteen, number sixteen. I'm rather off the offensive players here, yeah, because you're going to have to find a way to get the football to them, but you can't be blatantly obvious about it. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. you, you've got to find cre- creative ways of getting the, the the call to them, and much like the you know the Jets sweep with Colton Myers. The defense was not looking for it. Right. The defense was not expecting because they why they hadn't seen number sixteen do the jet sweep. They've seen number eleven do it. You know, after the first time it happened in Buffalo, then the other teams were prepared for it when we did it afterwards. But they hadn't seen number sixteen. That's the part of the creativity that you have to elaborate again about when going forward because you have to find very similar ways of getting the ball. To number 17, to number 13, to number 16, to number 8. You have to find ways of getting the ball to him and not being as blatantly obvious as other teams, I mean, as you are, as the other teams have been in, in the past.
0: How, how excited do you think Hunter Renfro was to get two balls thrown his way in a row?
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Here's the thing we don't know what happened. So right. we don't know how 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 happy he is. You know, right. Hunter yes, never come, came forward and said, "You know, Josh McDaniels and I don't get along." I'm on my way out. No, we only heard about what we were, what you know. Speculation was out there mm-hmm. that he was on the trading block. He might get traded, and more importantly, they weren't throwing the football. Look, it's always been confusing to me since McDaniel got the hire because knowing what New England and those offenses have done in the past, they've relied heavily on the tight end and the slot receiver. We didn't use any of them really this year, right? It's
0: true, and, and I'm not
2: trying to take away from anything from you know Devonte Adams, or Kobe Myers, but you know there there are weapons that are at your disposal. If you don't use them, you're you're doing a disservice to yourself as well as your team.
0: There's and no doubt. So we There's... don't
2: know what you know. We don't know the reason why Hunter didn't get the calls or didn't get the the plays until now, and we still don't know.
0: Right. No, we don't. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. We always want to ask you about the offensive line. Again, they didn't give up any sacks. O'Connell got the ball out of his hand pretty quickly. Uh, Did you see some adjustments that you liked from the O-line?
1: Didn't
2: necessarily see adjustments, kind of followed the pattern as we
0: went on. But they're going to go max
2: protection at times. I thought the communication was pretty pretty good because, as you mentioned, uh, Coach Martindale, who's a high-blitz package uh, defensive play caller, did bring a number of pressures. But I think the way the Raiders answered, especially with their internal uh, Mike dogs, their Mike blitzes up with their linebackers, what the Raiders were, are able to uh, answer with, it. they had two long slant routes uh, that, that hit for big yards, which are kind of run, a deep, run you out of that defense. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, Aiden O'Connell did a good job at recognizing where the, the, and changing the protections to keep them protected. But more importantly, he got rid of the football. So the offensive line did a solid job. I was pleased with the way they were run blocking. I think they need to build upon that. But if this is going to be the group going forward, and I don't know if Bayer Mumford is coming back. you know, I, I heard they, they did sign Parker uh, to yeah. the practice squad, so they're trying to boost up the depth in that offensive line. It's actually key to do it. But going forward, what you understand is you got to have max protection at times. So you got to develop a plan for that, keeping a back and a tight end and help chip. And then you got to have play, plays off of that. you got to develop plays off of that because I'm looking around the league and I'm watching other people play, and people are, are, are creating plays like that. That's more of the creativity that I would like to see the Raiders get into.
0: Jacob said after the game in the locker room that uh, the coaching staff went to him and said, what do you like to run, right? Other players said that the coaching staff went to him and said, what do you like to do, and really got their feedback and kind of designed an offensive game plan around what they're good at and what they do really well. How important was that for the success that they had on Sunday?
2: Well, it's it's important. It's really important. And I always thought, you know, it's something that a lot of coaches don't do, but it should be. Look, you know, for – we have to understand that we don't know it all. And right. when Rod Woodson told me a long time ago, and it's something that resonated with me. You don't know what you don't know. The fact is, is that if you go up to a player, you can only imagine his cue. If your coach comes up to you and says, "Q, got a big game against Central tomorrow night. What do you want to run? How are you going to lie to? You? How much is that going to do your heart well? I'm like, damn, this coach really cares about me. Well, coach, I like this, this, and this. And if he calls it, he supports that even more. So that's why I thought it was always smart. You don't have a lot of coaches that do it, but I think it's always smart. You should always go up to your playmakers every week. Hey, Josh, we're going to run the ball. We we're looking at running this off tackle, these stretches. What do you like? Do you like this? you like this? you like that? Whatever. Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, the same goes on for Aiden O'Connor. Yeah. What passes do you like to throw? You had right. success this week. What do you like? That's, that's just being mature and asking because it is a team effort. Yeah. So why doesn't the team effort go into the game plan as well?
0: Yeah, no, I know. I thought that was pretty impressive. It's funny. It, it, as soon as I heard that in the locker room, it immediately took me back to when Hugh Jackson was the head coach, and he went to Darren McFadden and said, "What do you like to do?" And McFadden turned absolutely. in one of his best years in Oakland.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely. That's what I mean. That's just part of being a team.
0: Right. So I guess it's a shame that that's the last coach I remember doing that. Though in between then <laughs> and now, it's been a pretty lengthy list of uh, of different head coaches. And Lincoln, will close out with the defense. They come up with eight sacks, had a couple interceptions. Ameek Robinson, uh, he made a, a a bad play early in the game. Pierce pulled him off to the off the side, put him back in the game. He came up with a big interception. The young man finds ways to clear his mind and get back out there and make plays. What do you see from Amik? Well, I mean, look, I think it's been coming on, but what, much to what you said is the truth. The fact that guys are taking advantage
2: of their opportunities. When you think about this defensive side and you think about the stars that are out there, well, you know you've got Marcus Peters, and you know that it had to be another corner on the opposite side of him. You know, they drafted Bennett, and they brought other guys in, and here's, here's Robinson just sitting on the roster like, you know, what about me? So he's making the best opportunity for his. He's making the best out of his opportunities. Is what I'm trying to say, and I think that's that's big. That's notable. But you can say the same thing about a number of guys on the defensive side. Look, when it comes down to it, Hugh, and and I'm sure you agree, you just need someone who can be as productive as Max Crosby on that side of the ball. Right. You 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 like to have two or three other guys, but just let's let's start with one. Give me one. Mm -hmm. Give me one notable name that I can rely on that's going to happen, that's going to happen. Then let's work on another. Then let's work on another and let's try to become that total defense. They're not there yet. They still have some issues they have to work on. But it was a pretty good outing. I was glad they were able to come away with the win.
0: Final question, Robert Spillane. Uh, he kind of grows on me each and every week a little bit more. He's out there playing with a club on his hand, and he helped contribute to that Nate Hobbs interception. He's the one that got his hand on it, knocked it up in the air. Marcus Peters did the same thing. The tip drill ends up in Nate Hobbs' hands. Uh, what has Spillane done for this defense so far?
2: Well, I mean, it's it's one of the pillars of stability that you were looking for. I mean, you know, you talk about the draft and what they've done in recent years, but if it wasn't for Spillane, who would be our middle linebacker? Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. something that you have to address going forward. You're going to have to address it again because obviously, getting up there in age, and you want to be younger. But you know, they're trying to bring along guys like Bernie. They're trying to bring the guys the guys along with like Luke Masterson, so on and so forth. It's just going to take some time. I was happy that they did sign Jalen Smith because I think he's the big body that can really help out against the run. It's blame for what it's worth. Is a little undersized when it mm-hmm. comes to linebackers, but he's supposed to be chasing backs and tight ends, not necessarily being a run stopper. Got to find somebody to slow down this run uh, run game because everybody's averaging almost five yards, six yards of crack on the Raiders.
0: Well, and there's a running back that's pretty good, Brees Hall, coming to town on Sunday for Sunday night football, a little primetime action for the Jets. And Lincoln, we'll get into the Jets, we'll get into Brees Hall, uh, everything that they've got going on or what they don't have going on. We'll do that on Thursday. But thanks so much for your time, my man. As always, it's always great catching up with you.
2: Always a pleasure, Q. Be well, brother.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The great Lincoln Kennedy with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's always great to hear Lincoln's thoughts when it comes to, uh, you know, recapping the game and then always looking forward to the game, the upcoming game, which is the New York Jets coming up Sunday night. Again, prime time action. And of course, you can hear the game on Raider Nation Radio 920. 345 is the time. Nate Hobbs, you'll hear him next. I promise in the Raiders locker room. We'll do it on Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: Yeah, go back to that play. I mean, the ball's tipped up in the air. You look like Robert Splain's going to get and All of a sudden, here comes Nate Hobbs. This guy's running to the ball. You know, like I said, it's just the strain that we really talked about in that practice Thursday and Friday of not waiting for things to happen, to go make
0: things happen.
3: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio.
0: The Raiders' defense hasn't been perfect this year by any stretch, but it's been better. And the attention to detail and the effort to go get the ball has clearly been there from uh, many players on that Raiders defensive side of things. Nate Hobbs came up with his first interception, as you hear Antonio Pierce talking about it. Came off the tip drill, little uh, Spillane tipped it, Peters tipped it, balls in the air, nobody gives up. Something I talked about so much during training camp. The ball would fly up in the air, and it would just harmlessly fall to the ground, and it would drive me crazy to the point where I think I accidentally uh, punched Vinny a couple times while standing next to him like, man, that's got to be intercepted. That's got to be picked off. The Raiders looked for that all, all training camp. All preseason, they were looking for uh, uh, opportunities to create turnovers and trying to go get the ball. Is it perfect? No, but they're up to eight interceptions on the season. They're also up to 24 sacks on the season. So clearly it's a lot better than it was as they only had six interceptions all of last year. They have eight so far. Nate Hobbs was one that got one on Sunday, uh, him and Amik Robertson. And, well, Nate got his first one. We got a chance to catch up with them in the locker room following the game.
3: First off, congratulations. Big interception big job by the defense. Really just you've talked about complimentary football and this is kind of like the dictionary di- reference isn't it?
4: Yes sir uh, absolutely. Like I said uh, earlier we just play cohesive football. When you play cohesive football you're hard to beat. So.
3: For this team I mean, in four days to have that kind of a transformation it says a lot about your coaching staff. Would you talk about the effort that they put in to prepare you guys this week? Because there were some new wrinkles and some yes. things different.
4: Oh. Um, PG, AP, um, Simo, um, everybody on the uh, offensive side of the ball. We just see the work. All right, bro. We just see the work they put in, you know what I'm saying? And literally long, long, super long hours, you know what I'm saying? Could be more than 12 hours a week, and we just appreciate them. We really wanted to get the win for those guys, you know what I'm saying? Because they part of the brotherhood, too. So, I think you were one of the biggest
3: cheerleaders for Aiden O'Connell on yeah, that Trey Tucker yeah, bomb. <laughs> yeah,
4: bro. Talk about the rook. Unbelievable job! Like to step in mid-season, you get named starting quarterback on Tuesday or Wednesday, come in and do that. That poise, you know what I'm saying? Me and my, me and my boys, uh, DB we just talking about the poise he had. It was it was a incredible. Super proud of him, bro.
0: Yeah. What did you see from the coaching staff throughout the course
4: of the week that prepared you, like you said, for this game um, today? Um, them letting loose. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not holding any bullets back. They was telling us all week, like, we're going to go out there and let you guys play. Be who y'all are. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Y'all be who y'all are. We're going to be who we are. And, and the preparation and the plan they had for us was amazing. You know what I'm saying? For real. Uh, it was execution. And we, we as players, we really appreciate that. So, like I said, that just makes you go harder as yeah. a player for, for your coach, Monique they Putting you in positions like that.
0: You're one of those guys that's always looking for the ball. That ball is floating in the air like that. What, did, what did you see when you saw the thing guy,
4: I saw a guy. <laughs> he blessed me. You know what I'm saying? Blessed me with the intercession. I needed it. I needed it. I was starving yeah. for it, so I had to go get it. What'd you see when you saw your brother and me get one too? He yeah, a dog. Like I've been telling people he's one of the best in the league when he get when he get going, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying on the field. He's one of the best in the league at taking the ball away. You know what I'm saying? If you look at the tape, it's crazy. So I'm not, that ain't nothing new, though. I expected that. So. Jermaine
0: said on Thursday that you guys had a really hard practice, but it was only about an hour long, but you guys did a lot of plays. What did that yeah. practice mean for you guys?
4: Um, just confidence. Just gave us confidence. You know what I'm saying? We worked our asses off, and it gave us confidence going into Sunday. It's so close to Sunday. We're like, yeah, we just keep that same energy. That's all we got to do. Do our job, do our part, keep that same energy. We're going to do what we did today. Hey, can you talk a little about just however free you guys play today? It seemed like you're intense, but also cl- a clean game. Yeah. Um, very intense. I feel like we play with our hearts out there. You know what I'm saying? We play for each other, not just to, to get off the field. Right. On both ends of the ball. We play for each other. Like, I'm not about to let him down. He's not going to let me down. You know what I'm saying? We're going to bring our best to, to the field. What'd you think about the crowd having your back and giving you guys all great. that energy? It was great. It was electric in there bro you can't ask for a better day of football. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was lovely. Just all thanks to God too, you know what I'm saying? He put everybody in that everybody in that stadium, they weren't there for no reason. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, he wasn't. Nobody was there for no reason. So this is an amazing day and I just I just thank God for real. Final question for you. Was there a verse of the day or a chapter of the day for you today? I ain't even, I ain't even read a chapter of the day. I said my prayers and yeah. God filled me with that spirit. That's, that's all he had to do today. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Thanks, thank
0: man. You. That was Nate Hobbs in the Raiders Locker Room. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast
4: version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.